I think the sound, I... sorry, Daniel, the sound is oh. back. Oh the, oh, the clicky sound? The dripping yeah. sound. <laughs> I don't know oh, what that so is. so strange. You hear it? Oh, there oh, it is. Yeah. That's so weird. Oh, this is going to make for a good intro. Welcome, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Unpacking Development, where we uh, take a look at some of the more interesting, potentially problematic, controversial terms in the development industry. We dissect them a little bit. We talk about them. Uh, we dive into some deeper questions, and, and we hopefully try to take away some some insights that are at least helpful for us, Courtney, you and I, in, in terms of understanding our role in this industry, but hopefully helpful to others who are listening in too. Exactly. Cool. Well, today's term, uh, we are going to talk about a a development jargon classic, I would say. Um, and this is, do you agree? I think that this is a true classic, probably right up there with beneficiary. Okay. 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 So here we go. And the term this week is the field. Now, dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. now, if you're not familiar, and again, if you're outside of the development industry, this is used a lot, I think, um, in the development sector. Generally, people in the development industry use the term the field to describe the the context where a lot of their work is taking place. It's usually used to refer to the places where projects, development projects, initiatives are taking place, uh, hopefully trying to do the best to increase the access of resources and of services to people that are living in poverty. Yeah. And so that's exactly right. And I think, again, just to give a little bit of sort of context setting here, especially for any of our listeners who don't actually work in the development industry, this is another one of those terms that people throw around constantly. Mm -hmm. So I can definitely reflect on experiences, having conversations with friends and family who don't work in this industry Mm -hmm. and saying, oh, I'm going to the field and having them give me a look like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is something that pretty much you'll hear it anytime anyone is going on a trip anywhere (laughs) that is kind of the the focus area of their work. Um, But what that means is that it it takes on a pretty diverse set of um, descriptions, everything from being in a really rural community that doesn't necessarily have a lot of technological access, things like that, all the way to honestly, you know, the capital of uh, a major uh, country where there's a lot of work going on. So it's pervasive, it's diverse. Yeah. And I like two things about what you said, Courtney. One is that you kind of, maybe this is something we should just implement with some of these terms, like use it in a sentence, like how do people use it? (laughs) You know, I think that like- It's like um, a spelling bee. (laughs) Exactly. And I think that the the point you made around uh, it being pervasive is, is, is right. It's also a term that I think for better or worse, most people in the development industry have used at some point. Again, we're not necessarily here to pass judgment on whether or not people use a term, but we're more interested in understanding the how. And I think we call ourselves out as people who are influenced and and have at times used these terms. This is not uh, something we are immune from. We're part of the industry and therefore influenced by all of this. And so I think that, you know, I think that that's worthwhile saying. You know, I think the the term the field, like you said, it is um, there are a couple of things that are interesting about it. Uh, it does, like you you say, it's usually used to sort of describe the place that a lot of the work that we're doing is going on in. Um, it is not a two-way 
relationship, right? Like I think generally, right. if you're going to the field, you're going to a place in the global south, a former colonized uh, nation or state. It's it's not common that you would see somebody who works in development who is you know working or living in Kenya saying they're going to the field and coming to the U.S. Even though that is for them you know, for them, a place that's outside of their own headquarters, right? Like it's not, it's not a term that goes both ways in that way, in development anyway. That's a really good point. It is a one-way directional arrow, you know, when we, and, and we do, we have workshops in Washington, D.C., in London, elsewhere. And when we have partners that are traveling to those workshops from countries in Africa, Latin America, Asia, um, the term field is not used. So I think that's right. a really important clarification. I think we've given a little bit of background on the term itself. And again, I think we have used this term. We It's something that's pervasive in development, but it doesn't necessarily originate in development. Uh, and we want to just, just sort of give a little bit of background into where um, we see this coming from. I did a little bit of digging. We like to do a little bit of research every time we have one of these. And um, as best as I could tell, this is not a comprehensive study I did on this word, but as best as I could tell, one of the earliest uh, roots of this is one blog I found traces it all the way back to 1818, and it says it can go back even further. And the idea was that, you know, the the concept of quote unquote field work, maybe not the field exactly, but field work was originally used in things like cartography, right? So you can imagine somebody like a cartographer doing their work in an in a sort of academic setting in an office trying to understand a little bit the terrain of somewhere but ultimately they have to go out to the field to understand the terrain that they're working in right uh, and to capture mm-hmm. that in in a map that they're creating and uh, that's one of the original roots of it and i think what's interesting about that is that it's very analogous to some of the other uses that um, have occurred with with this particular term in that it it delineates you know, um, sort of desk work and and research uh, against sort of um, work out in the world to understand and understand and kind of capture what's happening in the world, right? And so from this sort of cartography background, uh, it's found a number of different homes. One of them that is probably most well-known is in anthropology, where the term field work and being out in the field really, you know, is about uh, for somebody who's an anthropologist who's studying cultures that are different than their own and social context different than their own, it implies that they are sort of transcending their own cultural context, visiting a new location that is not their native sort of background, native uh, culture that they are a part of, and serving as an outsider trying to understand what's happening in that particular context, right? Yeah, and I think I want to pull out something you said because I think this is a really interesting transition. So, you know, Daniel, you talked about this really starting as um, a term that was used with researchers and academics and and other people, uh, you know, explorers who were studying nature. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that I think that raises some eyebrows and I think it should make us kind of question a little bit whether this is a term when we're talking about using this in reference to people as opposed to nature and, Mm. you know, plants and animals and things like that. But the transition you just talked about. So you're right. This is a term that's used quite a bit in anthropology, which is about the study of other cultures, the study of groups of people. Um, Another place where this comes up 
uh, in the modern world um, in reference to people and cultures is in relation to media. So you yeah. talk to people who are field reporters. Um, and that actually is something that comes up in the U.S. as well. So this is another yeah. one of those interesting connections where even though it's a term that we use a lot in development, it does pop up in, you know, U.S. context or or contexts of places that are not former colonies, although I guess the U.S. is a former colony. Yeah. But, but you know, it does show up, but it, it means something a little bit different. And that's something that I think is worth unpacking. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a really good point that it's it's not. And I think a lot of other terms are like this, too, that we talk about. But this is not a term that sort of has its only home in development. It's a term that is used pretty widely and in a lot of different ways. I think that there are, and I think we'll talk about this when we get a little bit deeper, there are specific ways that it's used in development that are unique, right? And I think we can we can touch on that a little bit. But I think you're right. In the general sense, this is a term that has lots of different uh, environments, including the sort of role that you're talking about when it, when it comes to a field reporter, somebody doing investigations outside of their own sort of comfort zone, being out there in the world, whatever they may, that may be, right? Like it could be a community that they're not a part of. It could be an organization that they're investigating. It could be anything that is, you know, where they are sort of essentially an outsider of. Exactly. No, I think that's definitely true. Um, but I do think it will, so it does sometimes make me think like when someone says field work, I kind of have this voiceover in my head of the old school nature programs of, right. you know, so-and-so is out in the wild observing this thing. And, right. you know, that's something that I think we have to grapple with in terms of what's going on behind this term. Now that we've talked about some of the history, some of the context behind the use of the term the field, I think this raises this question to me is, why is this even a contentious term? You know, it feels like a number of the things we shared um, in terms of the history and where this came from, it, it makes me wonder, should we even be questioning whether we're using this term? So what do you think? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think it gets us a little bit to, you know, our favorite segment of the podcast, which is the sort of so what statement. You know, what, why are we talking about this? Why did you and I sit down and decide to? And I think it's a good point that, you know, it's a pretty widely used term across a number of fields. I think it, it can be not problematic. I think it can, there are areas in which it can be really um, valuable as a term and as a concept. But I do think that there is something about how it's used in development that's particularly interesting to dig into. And we, we probably haven't talked to, about that um, as much as we could. So maybe we'll, we'll unpack that a little bit now. You know, I think there are three big reasons why I personally think that this is a term that's worth talking about when it comes to development. Number one, I think it's pervasive, right? Like, it, like we said, yep. it's very much in the industry. I think it's uh, frequently... Uh, mentioned in, in sort of informal conversations, people talking about going to the field, people talking about what they're doing in the field, and people talking about what sort of activities need to happen in the field. So much so that there's that recent Oxfam blog that surveyed development professionals and found it to be one of the top two terms that people would like to ban in the industry, right? So it's everywhere. Oh, yeah? Interesting. Yeah. That, can you guess the second one? The other top two? 
You know, I I mean, I have to guess it's beneficiary because that's one that shows up a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, We picked some winners for our, for our first several episodes. Yeah, it it is. And so it's clearly as prominent as beneficiary and, uh, and potentially as problematic if folks are are finding it as something that um, they can, they should talk about a lot. Right. Um, Well, and I think uh, just to jump in, I think like beneficiary and like what you were just saying, I think one of the issues with it being so pervasive is that it's lazy, right? So Mm -hmm. like beneficiary, we use this one term to mean this range of different things that really is just lazy language that in some cases, maybe that's fine. But in other cases, that's really not the word we should be using. So add some nuance, you know, put a little effort in. Absolutely. I think that's so right. And it gets to the second big thing that I think is makes us such an interesting term to talk about, which is that it's it's lazy, just like you said, it's a lazy way. It's it's othering, right? Like it's the function mm-hmm. of the term mm-hmm. is as a separator, right? It is it is a term that in development is used to separate, to distinguish in a lazy way, I think. And I think you would agree that it's used in a lazy way to sort of uh, separate between a couple of different things, right? It sets a line. And as we mentioned in the, um, when we're discussing the history, it's inherently going to separate the sort of desk work and desk research from the on the ground, sort of out there in the world work that an anthropologist would do, a cartographer would do. And in this case, a development professional would do, right? It The development uh, folks who work in uh, policy who works in, in programs and evaluations, they might have that separation as well, where they are working and writing reports um, on their desk and in a headquarter office somewhere, versus when they're out in the quote unquote field in a particular context doing research with human beings in a, in a society, right? So it is a separator. I think what's interesting and unique about the way it separates things in development is because the way that the power structure exists in development it inherently is used to sort of separate specific things, right? Uh, It separates, in some ways, the developed and not developed contexts in the North and the South, right? We talk about the Global South potentially as an underdeveloped uh, part of the world sometimes. That's the terminology that's used. And really, you know, it's it's separating the rich and the poor, really, and, and, and racially as well. We're separating a more, a, a wider world from a, a black and brown world. Uh, in in terms of development itself. And so I think that that's one interesting thing to dig into. Uh, the term the field, as you as you mentioned earlier, is used in a lot of different disciplines in a very amount of way. But in the way that it's used in development, it is both a separator and it is a one-way street, right? And it is a separator between these specific things that, that we're talking about. Yeah, so I totally hear you. I see what you're saying. And and I don't disagree with how it's being used in practice. I do want to kind of talk about this issue of othering and whether that's always a bad thing. So hear me out, because I realize that that sounds ludicrous just to say it. But, you know, I reflect back on some of the, um, the fields and the fields use the term incorrectly there, Um, some of the kind of careers that we talked about earlier. So we talked about anthropology, we talked about media. And, you know, I think in in those fields, like you said, um, 
the term field does separate out what people are doing, but it does it in a respectful way as mm. opposed to a kind of creating a lesser and greater, if that mm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, so unpacking that a little bit. So you look at something like anthropology and the idea of field work is being put out there to say, if I'm an anthropologist, I respect the fact that I'm going into a community that is not mine, Mm -hmm. that there's a culture there that I want to be really careful to respect and to understand and not to dismantle. Right. Right. Um, I think similarly with media and field reporters, I had this great conversation the other day as part of a project I'm working on um, with an independent journalist who was talking about how they were working on this project where they were, you know, able to support in in a central African country, they were able to support journalists that were field reporters. And it was so important to have people getting outside of the capital of that country to hear from local rural communities. But in order for them to be respectful of those communities, they had to create a distance. They had to recognize that, hey, I'm coming from the capital. I have a different perspective. So I'm here to respect and listen to you and kind of create this feedback loop. So, you know, all to say, I totally agree that the othering with the way field, the the term, the field is used in development is problematic. I wonder if if there's a way to make it more respectful mm. in the way that we use it in the development industry, because I do think it's important to recognize that we were different and we need to respect the cultures that we're working with. We're not just going in to sort of change things and, and, you know, continue this problematic power structure. So I don't yeah. know if that makes sense, but it's it's just something that's been sort of floating around in my mind. No, it makes perfect sense. I think to me, that's such an interesting, it's a, such an interesting point. I think it's sort of, you know, we talk about in, in sort of in discussions of, of race and racism, the sort of ignorant point that sometimes says like, I don't see color, right? Like, and, oh, uh, God. and yeah. so I, it, I think the point you're making is, it makes me think of that because there's a way of doing away with a term like the field or throwing it out in, in that uh, it sort of disregards the fact that there is some real value to acknowledging the differences in, in context, the differences in cultures and in people in a way that allows uh, the development work that's happening to be catered to that particular context rather than uh, at it. Right. So I think there is that's such an interesting point, Courtney. I really like that. I think it's, um, it definitely is not something that I had thought of. I was focusing on how it divides us rather than how it sort of adds nuance to, <laughs> to, to some things. But I think it's, I think that's a really good point. I do think it takes me to the third component of, mm-hmm. you know, one of the reasons I, I thought this was an interesting term to discuss too. And that is a particular, I believe, negative use of that term in development. And which I think doesn't get at that very good point you made about the understanding the nuances of a new place, but actually this is the exact opposite. Um, and it's what I call sort of um, the exotified use of the field. The yeah. uh, And so again, like with any term, like the way you use it makes the difference. And I think that the way the field gets used in the development industry that makes me feel the grossest is when it's used less 
to describe a particular place or context, but more used by a development professional to really elevate their own identity, right? As yep. somebody who goes out in the field. And so, you know, if I'm if I'm using it this way, I might be, you know, a, a sort of development professional who lives in the global north. And I sort of paint myself as somebody who's constantly out in the field. I'm romanticizing this notion of traveling to a place that's, you know, that's got less resources, that's less stable than my mm-hmm. own. I'm sort of the Indiana Jones of this industry and traveling the globe and, and showing up in these different contexts. And and I think that issue is really, it's a big one because it, it sort of perpetuates this, this sort of colonial mindset that is so pervasive in development. Um, it's very closely tied with, I think, racism, racism and racist ideas about some of these contexts. And I think it doesn't do us any favors. I think it perpetuates oppression. And I think it really creates a setting where you know, by by the nature of that terminology, by the nature of sort of using it mainly to identify ourselves as development professionals, we're elevating ourselves to a point where we are inherently better than the context that we're traveling to. Yep. And I think it's really, it's really, um, it's really not ideal. And I will say it's, it's also quite seductive, right? Like it's, it's not something I speak for myself, but I know that for me, it's not something that I'm impervious to. It's something that that sort of, for lack of a better term, exotic view of development is something that allows you to go see the world and be a part of new communities and understand that is that there has a certain draw to that. And as problematic as it is, it influences myself and people who I know who work in this industry in a way that you sort of have to be watchful about. You sort of have to be self-critical about, and I feel like I've been self-critical about it, um, myself. And I'm sure that um, I, from conversations with you, I know that it's played a role in, in your thinking too. Yeah. yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And this is, again, one of these places where I think we have to own up to, you know, our own experiences yeah. and our own kind of changing beliefs and and things that we've, you know, said in the past or done in the past that we now recognize are problematic and, and you know, may to some extent still be a part of our work. So mm-hmm. I completely agree with you. You know, I remember, you know, the first time that I spent a significant amount of time in um, in my case, in South Africa, near the border of Zimbabwe, I was in graduate school, I was doing research. And, you know, I can very distinctively remember conversations that sometimes it was me sharing, sometimes it was else, someone else sharing, but, you know, it was talking about, you know, comparing what sort of tropical diseases people had or what sort of, um, you know, challenges people had while they were, you know, in quotes, in the field. And I think that it's something that um, a lot of us, hopefully early in our career, and hopefully we've grown out of this, but, you know, we have to acknowledge the fact that for a lot of us getting into this industry, there was an element and there is an element of, you know, experiencing other cultures, but that, that can really easily bleed into exotifying things that the people that you're working with and the people that around you, they're not exotic for them. There are challenges that, that need to get addressed and, and that are really causing problems 
But as someone who, you know, I'll speak in my case, as a white woman who could easily hop on a plane back to another country and have the resources to do that. When you start in this field, it's easy to exotify things. And and it's something we all need to be considering more. Yeah, absolutely. I I think I I just want to add two more things to what you said. I think I think that's a really uh, I really appreciate how you sort of shared examples like that, because it is a part of the day to day and it is a part of how we how we perceive this work. I will say that the exotification doesn't only happen, I think, with the the sort of negative things. It also happens with just every aspect of life in a, in in different countries, right? And so I think that's just one point. Um, the bigger one that I wanted to make is that, again, like, why are we talking about this term specifically? Like, if we do away with this term in development tomorrow, is all of this going to be fixed? Of course not, right? Like, right. this term isn't doing that much work in continuing these imbalances. But it does, I think, translate to some real life things, you know, like, I think the 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 constant reinforcing and laziness with the term reinforces certain power dynamics, reinforces how we think about particular places and people. And it also has some really, you know, real life components to it. I think, you know, we talk about the field as a as a as a sort of exotified place, but the value of somebody who's of the field versus somebody who is not in in the industry also is quantitative quantitatively like different in some ways there's there's all sorts of ways in which the disparities between somebody from the field quote unquote and somebody who's not play out you can talk about the sort of pervasive issue of people who are from the global north seen as more experienced than experts on issues even though their qualifications might be inferior than somebody who grew up in a developing context, right? Or being Absolutely. paid more than somebody who is got a PhD, who's from who's a who's an expert in a particular topic in but happens to be from the global south. The the distinction there has real life implications in the industry. Absolutely. And this is I, I think to the the benefit and and the positive side of this industry, it's something that I think a lot of people in this space are really grappling with right now. It's not just financial resources, it's expertise. I think there's a lot of discussions going on right now where there's real examples of someone who is, uh, you know, has, has a doctoral degree, lives in, you know, Uganda, is working on public health, health, has years and years and years working on public health. And you look at the respect that they're given and the pay that they get as compared to someone younger than them from the United States who has spent a grand total of two weeks in the country that they're going to. And, you know, again, to to the credit of the industry, I think it's finally something that's getting discussed more. Will it change? You know, I certainly hope so remains to be seen, but at least it's it's a topic of conversation where for many years, I think it was much more of a kind of hidden secret. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's actually a great place to transition to our conversation with, you know, someone who can speak a little bit more to this issue. So we are so excited uh, today to be joined by Dr. Mohamed 
Yunus Rafiq, who is someone who I have had the pleasure to know and work with. Yunus is a trained anthropologist, medical anthropologist who has worked in this field for a long time. So we were really excited to hear his perspective in a lot of different ways um, about our term today, which is the field. So Eunice, thank you so much for coming on. We're so excited to have you. We wanted to talk to you about the different perspectives that you can bring in on the development industry and and this idea of the field, this idea of where it is that development as an industry is happening. You're an anthropologist, you're a medical anthropologist, you're a professor, Mm -hmm. you're, you know, an advisor. In the work that you do now, how do you kind of use or or interact with the term the field? How does it come up and and how do you end up using it or or experiencing it in your professional life? Yeah, so um so being an instructor here, a medical anthropologist and a teacher, teaching four classes in 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 anthropology, I draw a lot from mm-hmm. my practice in development and um I use examples actually uh, quote unquote from the field uh, to to uh, to derive uh, to explain to expand certain kinds of uh, concepts uh, and sometimes I would use the word uh, field site uh, because it's a very commonly used uh, mm-hmm. word and to demarcate right to demarcate uh, where I'm coming from it could be you know a graduate student from Brown University going to uh, the villages in the Usambara Mountains, that's the field. And what mm. is, um, so that's one. I, so we, one would say, this is uh, just introducing that term for students. But I think I don't end there. And I said, however, uh, this term is very problematic. One, uh, that it has been internalized. So for example, when uh, I was working as an ethnography, I was very surprised. Uh, the villages, um, because I introduced myself, I am a PhD student, uh, very interested to understand how villages are experiencing this program, uh, the program on uh, to improve quality of maternal and child health. And so, one of the um, one of the uh, villagers, and uh, like uh, a, a senior male uh, villager, said, uh, "So you are in the field." So <laughs> huh. it was very, yeah. Uh, so uko fieldi, so you know how it is in Swahili. If you want to kind of, uh, uh, you know, Swahili size a word, you just put an I, so it becomes mm. fieldi, right? Mm. And mm. It, so it wasn't an indigenous term, right? And and Daniel, you're saying that languages are very powerful. Languages yeah. are not uh, a way. Words, phrases are not just a way to transmit knowledge, uh, but they are kind of mini theories, right? Yeah. Uh, there are many explanatory models, right? Because you start digging in to what field is, you're going to encounter all these clusters of meaning, association, binaries, yeah, conflation, yeah. etc. Yet uh, there was this villager who said, uh, "Oh, could, was comfortable with the with the with the with the term field." And I think maybe he was trying to signal to me that I know it. Uh, just be open. Just say you're in the field. Right, they don't try yeah. to sugarcoat it, right? Uh, so that's one that that's so one. interesting. Yeah. So th- this is uh, a, a term that has already been, uh, yeah, uh, has been uh, incorporated. It's being used also by the our quote unquote subjects, recipients, right? Right. Um, right. 
I, I prefer the word colleagues, uh, yet uh, the, the term field in my class, uh, I want to problematize it, yeah? What yeah. does it hmm. really mean when we say field, yeah? Uh, yeah? What kind of power relations does it evoke? What mm. kind of assumptions about knowledge are being created? Uh, yeah. Especially for us, Courtney, uh, Daniel, we work in participatory development. And the whole philosophy behind participatory development is that we are not actually the educators. We are not the enlightened ones, right? We are there mm. to work with the community, yet we are using the field uh, which assumes that we are the knowledge bearers and we are going yeah. to the field in order to extract yeah. raw, unprocessed data, right? Yeah, Yeah. that's so. That's <laughs> such an interesting read of it. I'm ve- I, you've said a lot of things that I have questions about, but this, okay, so I have two questions to go off of. Number <laughs> one, I was very interested to hear the story of the villager who you met, who really took on that term of the field imported into his culture, adapting it to his language as a, as a term for his home. And I'm, I'm very curious to hear you, if you can, explain a little bit about what did that term mean to him as, as a villager in that community um, when he thought of his home as the field and as you might refer to it as a field, what did that mean to him? What, what characterized that term to him? Yeah, I, I think that's very interesting question i think uh, most of the strands in the critique of develop uh, in the, the development of anthropology uh no anthropology of development sorry uh, have been mm. to critique that you know uh these interventions are coming you know they are misaligning with people's uh, realities and uh, uh identities uh, that could be the case right but i with uh, with this particular gentle, gentleman in tanga I think it was a plus and minus. Okay, some mm. of it is some of it is my assumptions. Here you are, right? This is my home, uh, but uh, you are using it as a field, right? You are mm. here to collect data. But for me, this is a home, right? It's not mm-hmm. necessarily bifurcated in this in this way. Yeah. yeah? And then secondly, uh, w- what he said was, I understand this is a field for you. Many people come to study in order to get their degrees, in order to complete their education, okay? Uh, So that struck me, right? Many people come Hmm. and collect information and leave. And I think this theme of leaving, uh, Courtney, we have talked a lot about this. Uh, It's so bitter when NGOs, uh, development agencies come who are in such short uh, lifespan, about three to three years mostly, yeah. yeah, and these yeah. relationships are severed, right? They, this relationship end, and without very clear terms or very clear vision of what is next, right? Yeah. I felt yeah. a little bit like that. Uh, and here I was thinking, I'm a student, you know, I'm doing education, right? Uh, the same talk about we're doing this for science. Yeah. <laughs> so it's <laughs> as if it doesn't yeah. have repercussions. It doesn't create certain kind of emotional hurt mm-hmm. it, it yeah. doesn't uh, disrupt uh, relationship uh, it doesn't um, create certain ways people see themselves that are maybe not too positive 
but well, it's, yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I, I think that we all kind of have to acknowledge that we are, you know, we're part of that problem. You know, you about the idea that you're going, you know, to the field. I'm, I'm doing air quotes here, which right. I realize <laughs> is not a good medium for, uh, for audio, but you know, we talk about going to the field and yeah. the implication is that if you're going to the field, you're also going to be leaving at some point. Right. Um, but I think, you know, the fact that this, um, this individual, this, this man that you were speaking with, you know, at least kind of acknowledge that, that problematic power dynamic. Um, I think it's also important for us to acknowledge that, you know, whatever term we use, whether it's the field or something else, it also ties back to a concept, you know, it doesn't matter if we call it, you know, red sky, whatever, whatever we want to call it, it ties back to this idea that we are entering a place that is different from the place that we're from. We are extracting something. Hopefully there's some giving back, but there's at least extraction and then we're leaving. And I think, you know, I think just recognizing that, that this is someone who says, Hey guys, I, I see this. I yeah, see I this it. all the time. I get yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Courtney, I, wrote, I really, I really um, um, appreciated, and uh, you got me thinking about this whole notion of in and out, right? And I think this really connects to what uh, Daniel was saying. What is the power in the field? Yeah. I think one of the power is really the ability to get in and get out. Right. Isn't it? Someone yeah. who can just walk out in uh, can walk into White House and get out is a very powerful person, right? Mm-hmm. Right, right, yeah? right. Uh, do for example, our uh, our our partners, our colleagues have the ability to walk in and out. Mm-hmm. We have yeah. that power of walking in and out, and we cannot pretend uh, that it's just a research design. It's just the intervention, you know. It's just how things are. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a power laden uh, ability. There's so much to what you said that I think is so interesting. I think a couple of things that really resonate with me. One, when we when we think about some of the the air quotes, Courtney, positive aspects of, of something like the field. <laughs> there, There is the, the concept that the, it's very core that, you know, if you're working in development, you're ideally, you're, hopefully your goal is that you're, you're entering potentially communities that are not your own. If you're outside right. of a particular community and you are participating with that community and members of that community in, in a process to help them to improve their living conditions alongside them and participatory development that you mentioned is, is core to that. Like you're working alongside them on a particular challenge. Right. And in some ways, the field in that way allows for that distance between yourself and that member, because it also, it also defines the relationship that you have to the community so that maybe the participation that's happening, the collaboration that's happening, it can come with that understanding as well, right? It can come with that understanding of how your perspective comes into that problem solving, how their perspective comes into that problem solving. Those are different ways that you can influence the situation. But I think on the flip side, what we struggle with, I think, so much is when that the participatory part of that development is gone. And yeah 
when it is about a power dynamic, when using the word the field is to to specifically note uh, where knowledge might be, uh, where where there's a lack of knowledge, as you mentioned earlier, in the in the community, in the fields versus by the experts who are coming into the community, mm-hmm. uh, that privilege of being able to walk in and out, it ultimately is really, you know, I think in so many ways, an echo of colonialism, if you think right. about it, that this this concept of being able to come in, determine how to do things and walk away right. and extract data and extract something for your needs. At its worst, the, the term the field lingers of that. And I'm curious to hear, you know, one, what you think about that. And, and two, if you if you have yeah. experiences that sort of resonate with that, that more negative side of it. You're right. Our work has to do with improving quality of uh, services uh, to save lives, you know, and uh, we need a certain kind of framing, right? Uh, we need a certain kind of framing. We need a certain kind of attitude of mind. Uh, is this attitude of mind the field, right? Um, uh, that we are we are going to be in this particular place and we are going to do X, Y, and Z. And because we are do, we're going to do these activities there, we will call it the field. Yet, as you said very aptly, uh, language is powerful, yeah? Once you uh, encode, once you categorize what you're doing as the field, you're not just using a descriptor. You're bringing other kinds of processes, other kinds of energies, other kinds of relations uh, that are quite uh, problematic. Uh, We also assume the field as a solid, stable unit. It's Mm. not. Yeah. It's highly fractured, divisive, because we assume that when we go to a field, it's just a one unitary thing, and we can do our activities. If we, uh, you know, roll out uh, these solutions for maternal and child health, you know, mm. uh, create these educational uh, educational programs. Uh, yet, uh, this place is uh, fractured, uh, works in its own different uh, ways, and so how does that informed? informs yeah this place that we go and the realities of being really fragmented inform our own notions of mm-hmm. the field right so it's a different kind of a direction right you invoke the field going there but yet there's a reality on on, on the places that we are going that could also inform uh, how we are using that concept right it's a yeah. it's a two way uh, it's a two way uh, process there's a lot there. And I think to me, there's also the part of the impact that we as newcomers to a particular context change the field too. And the way that we affect right. what's happening by, by our presence, obviously you, you would, I, I'm sure that you've thought about this a lot as an, as an anthropologist as well, but you know, we, we clearly are not neutral subjects when we come into a context and everything yeah. that we do influences the environment as well. I think I think what, it, what one of the things that came to mind for me and something I've been thinking about a lot that you brought up is um, this idea of the field demarcating. We've talked about it being sort of an othering mechanism to demonstrate a person from my community and from outside of a community. We've talked about it sort of having this colonial echo uh, in some ways. But one thing that we hadn't hadn't come up in Courtney and I's conversation earlier is this idea that we've been talking about of the field being essentially, for the lack of a better word, a lot of times a laboratory for development practitioners, a a sort of 
a space where they can try things out, where they can experiment, where they can collect data, be scientists and sort of come out of it. And of course, the, all of it is hopefully in the aim of improving people's lives in some way or solving a problem alongside the community. But nevertheless, there is this feeling of a, of a, of a place where you're where you're being a scientist, where you're experimenting a social scientist. And, you know, some, some methods that we do in development, like randomized control trials can take this even further. And there's questions around the ethics of treating societies, people and cultures in, in, in sort of experimental ways like that. And it's something that I struggle a lot with. I don't know quite. And I think that the field is a good avenue to talk about that. This idea of this place that we can walk in and out of, that we can, test things out in that we can experiment and um, we can collect our data. And then at the end of a couple of years, leave and publish our papers and, and that society may or may not be better for it. But and a lot of times that that sort of feeling of this distant place where, where things can be experimented with human lives and cultures and communities can be experimented with is, is a part of the development work that we do. And it's, it's a lot of times something that's uncomfortable for, for me and I imagine for a lot of people that work in this field. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, definitely, yeah, uh, this whole idea of field as, you know, um, a controlled environment, uh, a controlled environment, is it really controlled, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and um, of course, uh, you know, it's, it's science, science that is being implemented, yeah. Um, it's not it's not culture it's not arts right? Uh, right it's a particular it's a particular discipline it's a particular quote unquote industry right where you have the scientific ideas uh, what need that needs to be tested uh, in a social space yeah and I think yeah. for me uh, as someone who is a Tanzanian uh, an African uh, that these are uh, Africa takes a bulk of this testing, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, now we have universities that are doing research and uh, they come to these villages uh, in Morogoro or in Rufiji and they're doing this thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying if we had Tanzanians also doing testing in Australia, oh, Australia is an interesting place, but uh, let's say UK, it would be, it would be okay. That you know yeah. it's being done to us. Yeah. We're doing to others, so it's okay. Uh, I think uh, this goes earlier to one of the remarks you made, Dan Daniel. That yes, we are doing participatory uh, development, right? Uh, but that itself is not enough, right? How does it actually play out? How does it involve people? Uh, what are these different elements of participatory uh, development? Are we just invoking it? Uh, it just invoking as a term, or is it is participatory really uh, thick in its design, mm -hmm. right? Because I think there is a tendency of just using participatory, and I'm not saying this just for northern organization. Also in Tanzania, participatory mm. right now uh, we have a word for Swahili, shirikish. It is a mm. very ubiquitous word, and it, it's just being used as a kind of a knee jerk reaction. You know, it sounds good. You know, it, it can do yeah. something for you when you go to the government and say, hey, you know, I have this little shirikishi participatory program mm -hmm. to speak about uh, vaccines. Then this is a language they understand. Mm. Uh, so uh, 
yes, so we cannot say, so there is an unequal uh, volume of these kinds of experiments that are being done. Yeah, on the one hand, uh, Africa, Asia is receiving the bulk of these uh, scientific experiments in the field yeah so mm. uh, i think what you're trying to say daniel is when we say the field we are also signaling signaling certain geographies we are making it okay that tanzania and not just tanzania because we are talking about this geography and these uh, clusters there are certain places in tanzania uh, like morogoro which has received the bulk of these uh, experiments uh, these uh, field interventions, if you will, come from the north, but yet mm. when they go to the south, they also have their own kind of mapping. They also have their yeah. own kind of distribution, which is also unequal. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely. And then uh, on, the, on the reverse side, uh, very few Tanzanians, if any, are using the US or the UK or now China as the field. Uh, and if there are cases I've never heard of, you know, uh, that is also quite problematic. And it uh, speaks about, of course, traditions, colonialism, but resources, you know, uh, can a Tanzanian researcher maybe from University of Dar es Salaam come to D.C. and do a randomized control uh, trial, you know, uh, and uh, why are we why are we assuming that? we are going to get uh, kind of knowledge with value if the field is uh, <laughs> is done in a place like tanzania right yeah. why are we not making the same assumptions if i'm going if indiana is going to be my field or nebraska is going to be my field is also the same value right what is this epistemological advantage in terms of knowledge that comes by assuming the field is in these colonial or former colonial, post-colonial spaces. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually, (laughs) I would love to pick up on this point because I think one thing we have to acknowledge in this conversation we've been having is that we have been having this discussion very much from the perspective of development professionals, researchers, people who work and are engaged in the industry. And, you know, I mean, I can speak for myself coming back to this conversation. um, I have never, at least to my face, (laughs) had anyone say to me, oh, yeah, I went to your community. That was my field work. You know, the the term the field is can be very one one directional. Right. And I think some of us um, in particular, someone like me, you know, American born and raised in the U S you know, I've never had that experience of having someone refer to the place that I think of home and where I'm from as being the field, you know, Eunice, I want to go back to your introduction. We've, you know, you talked about being from a community in Northern Tanzania, you've talked about how you grew up in a place where there were a lot of development projects. How do you feel like that experience changed or or did it change how you think about the field, not just from an industry perspective, but from the perspective of being someone who is from Tanzania, who is from places that people refer to as the field? Yeah, no, no, I think that's very interesting. And uh, from the beginning, I was just thinking about this. Uh, the term that I encountered very 
in fact, very late, uh, 2016, right? That's when the first time I heard it in the village was fieldy, right? It's an English word mm-hmm. w- word with a little of a Swahili inflection, fieldy, right? Um, yeah. And I was wondering, when I was growing up in this household, uh, the father working for Oxfam, what was the term that was being used? Uh, I remember my one of my first uh, kind of assignments as a as a student, as a high school student, to go and document a low cost housing project in Arumeru district. Um, the term that was used was Kijiji, you know, which means village, a place mm. where people are living, a place where people plant, a place where people call home a place uh, that uh, people uh, have their rituals and ceremonies, their dances, yeah? Uh, a place where a certain ethnicities live because when you speak of Arumeru, you start thinking of Meru people and Warusha people. So you see, uh, it's a very different word uh, that uh, is being invoked yeah. uh, within development. Uh, I, think, um, I think if the word field would be used uh, there could be two things, right? It could be a distancing, a, a distancing uh, feeling, a, a distancing relationship, and of course, this assumes that we understand what field is. We understand mm-hmm. the history of the field. We understand the uses of the field. We understand the philosoph- philosophy behind the field, right? Uh, I think most of the time. Uh, we as Tanzanians or EOA as Swahili speakers, we just incorporate the word without really n- not understanding the, 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 the genealogy of the word and the history of the word. word. Sometimes the, the history or the connotation or the, the denotation of the word spills over, but rarely, okay? So even when we use the word field, I don't think it has the valences uh, it doesn't have the layer of meanings that we have actually tried to unpack here. Yet mm-hmm. the term is associated with the colonialism. It is associated with extraction. It's associated with in and out. It's associated with certain kinds of geographies. Uh, so I would say that uh, it is not necessary that the word field is being used in these localized settings that is always negative because people have a way of using the term right, based on their own experiences. If their experiences are kind of negative, uh, the, the, the two will be joined. If not, it will have other kinds of meanings. But just imagine a world in, in the development arena where some of these local terms are used, right? Say, I'm going to Kijiji, or I'm going Mahali. I actually don't know what the word would be for field, because it's such a uh, it's a, such a conflicting term, right? Uh, how would mm-hmm. you kind of bring, how would you try to translate this word after being aware of all the conundrums, all the paradoxes, uh, you know, that it it, it, it it captures, right? Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm struggling to think what would be the word for field, but I think uh, the way it's being, uh, the way it was used when I was growing up was very specific. We're going to Olmairete. We're going to Ngaramtoni, very specific area. 
uh, these are the villages we're yeah. going or a kind of a region where Gomeru area. And once the idea of a village is evoked, uh, the image is quite different from the image that we have that Daniel was talking about of a kind of a controlled space, right? Yeah. And after all, yes, we were talking about the ability of going in and out. Villages also get in and out um, of the village, right? They are, we yeah. assume that uh, we're there and these people don't get out. They do. So uh, I think the terms we use are very important. Uh, they create a different kind of uh, feeling. Uh, and once we have, we are using these uh, terms for developments like Kijiji, like Arumeru. And then if we add another word like uh, field, it does create tension, you know? Especially as, as, as now I am trying to, to bring in how I grew up in a kind of a household, in a community where we used, uh, uh, development was very much alive. And now this word, word, word as a field, uh, you know, as a development practitioner, as a, a professor, uh, it's it's really it's really uh, tense. It's, it's really tense. Yes, it evokes two different kinds of uh, worlds. Absolutely. Well, and I think you know, if, if I were to give a motto to to this podcast, one of my favorite mottos from the podcast so far, it's you know, we need to stop being lazy with the language. And I think right. Eunice, what you've just shared is, and actually, this whole discussion I think is a perfect example of this. The idea, the things that we refer to when we refer to the field are so diverse, they're so complex, they're dynamic. And, you know, to hear the examples you provided, looking back at your experience growing up, that, you know, it wasn't referring to the field, it was referring to the specific place, the specific village. I think it's a good, it's probably not the only answer, but I think it's, it's a good kind of reflection. Unpacking Development is hosted and produced by Daniel Plout and Courtney Tolmey. Editing and music done by Daniel Plout. Additional drum breaks and sounds by AJ Hall at leftfielddrumbreaks.com. Our beautiful artwork done by Courtney Tolmey. All views and half-baked rants shared by Daniel and Courtney are theirs alone. If you'd like to recommend your own jargon term for unpacking, share your own thoughts, or just get in touch with us, our email is unpackingdevpod at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at unpackingdevpod.